Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Jason McGay. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And we're going to start with looking at verses 32 and 33. Hallelujah. John chapter 12, 32 and 33 in the Amplified says this, And if I, this is Jesus speaking now, and if, and I, if and when I am lifted up. Now that if is, is not if, he, if it does happen. It's kind of like the if-then-else statement. Like this is, there's times when your Bible says if, it doesn't mean if, it means since. So, since this is going to happen. He says, and, and I, if and when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw and attract all men to myself. And then the verse 33 says, he said this to signify in what, in what manner he would die. So we know that he's referring to being lifted up from the earth on the cross. But he wasn't just lifted up on the cross, right? So when he, when he was raised from the dead, he was lifted up from the earth to heaven, right? So... There are some very interesting, we perceive that usually as a salvation verse, right? Jesus went to the cross, we'll preach the cross, and everyone gets saved. But listen to what he says. He said he'll draw all men, not just some men, right? So there's a place where he is drawing all men because of who he is and what he has done. All right, I'm not going to get too much further into that. I'm going to tell you a little story first, and then we'll go back to this verse. Little story. Y'all like stories, right? This one you get to participate in by imagining. I want you to imagine yourself living in a time before Christ. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) There was no indoor plumbing then, right? And the modern conveniences of air conditioning and you know, refrigeration and all those other wonderful things that we have today. But for a moment, I'd like you just to, just in your mind, imagine yourself back a few thousand years ago and what it would be like to live on the earth and just think, you know, you'd wake up in the morning and, you know, you have your daily things that you would do. But the thing is, is that, you know, the sun always would rise in the east and it reaches its peak in the middle of the day and then it sets in the west. And then night comes. And then what happens again? Again, the next day, the sun rises in the east, peaks, and sets in the west. And you know, that would happen every day. Every day. Every day. And in fact, that's how you measure your days. You measure days by the sun rising and the sun setting. You know, and then you begin to observe as days go by that seasons begin to change. You know, you go from, well, you know, summer to fall to winter to spring and back around again. 
And it begins to cycle and circle. And here it is again. A few years go by and you've seen the seasons change. You've seen how the sun has affected your world because there are, you know, it brings life to crops. It brings life to people. I mean, you know that if we had no sun, there would be no life in the earth. And you observe this continually. There is constant evidence of the benefits of the sun in your life. Day in and day out, season after season, year after year, you see the effects that the sun has in your world. And so generations, we're talking many generations, lived knowing that the sun rises in the east, sets in the west, and it'll be back again tomorrow. However, around the 1600s, so you can forget about imagining now, around the 1600s, or I should say the 16th century, sorry, 1500s, someone started to realize that, wait a minute, there seems to be evidence in nature, in science, that the earth does indeed revolve around the sun. You see, the thing is, is that up until that point, everyone just that the sun revolves around the earth. Everyone just assumed the sun revolves around the earth. The sun rises in the east, it peaks, sets in the west, and comes back around again. Here we go, another day, multiple days, seasons, years, and so the sun revolves around the earth, right? Until they began to discover that there is evidence that actually, no, the earth revolves around the sun. So our lives are much like the sun and the earth. You see, before Jesus, B.C., before Jesus, we lived in such a way that we thought everything that's going on around us revolves around us. Day after day, season after season, year after year, we are the center of the universe. And everything that's happening is happening to me and by me and for me. Right? We had this perspective. And then one day, someone had some evidence. (laughs) Had some evidence that maybe we are not seeing this the right way. And that, in fact, our world revolves around Jesus. Our world revolves around Him. Amen? So, quite often, that should be, I mean, think about how your world changed when you discovered that. And yet, this whole system of the world flows in a direction that's contrary to our lives, as the direction that God is leading us in through Jesus. And there's this thing where the whole world flows in the direction of everything that's going on revolves around But living as a Christian, we discover, no, 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 our lives revolve around Jesus. 
And that perspective is something that needs to develop and grow in our lives. That truth needs to be central in our hearts and lives. And so it's very tempting just to continue on. Because you see, I mean, think about how you got saved. Or not just how you got saved, but kind of the reason why you got saved. And most of us got saved because we realized our lives are a mess. Or there's something missing. Or I, don't, I just don't want to go to hell when I die. Like There are numerous reasons why we receive Jesus. But if you think about it, a lot of those are still based on you. I don't want to go to that infernal place when I leave here. I, my life is a mess and Jesus can fix my life. Or I need healing in my body and Jesus can heal my body. Or things are not going the way that I want, but God will bless me and take care of me. And so I can often still be at the center. And then we learn a little bit and we come to church and we hear about how God will look after our lives and take good care of us. Is that true though, Willie? Absolutely he will. Does the sun rise in the east and set in the west? Do the days go by and the seasons change and the land gives fruit and crops and you feed yourself and you live for another day? Does that happen? Yes, it does. Is there a benefit that the sun gives to the earth? Always. Always. Does Jesus protect you and keep you and bless your life? Look after you? Always. Day after day, season after season, year after year, He remains the same. He doesn't change. And He always takes care of His people. Right? But the temptation is to continue to live our lives as though the sun revolves around us. And we come to church and we think about how our lives can be improved. You know, if I just have a little bit more of Jesus, how can I incorporate Jesus into my life? How far do I want to go with that? And that sometimes those are the decisions that Christians are making. You know, they've, they've gone and they've made a decision. Well, I know it's right, so I don't want to go to hell. So, Jesus, you can come into my life, my life, about that far. And then I start to learn a little bit more, and I realize I run into some family trouble. I run into some physical problems in my body, you know, or I need a new job. Or, and then, well, Jesus, you can come into my life a little bit more and take care of me and heal my body and bless me financially and, you know, straighten out some of the relationships I'm in. A little bit more. Now, is Jesus going to do those things for you? Yes, absolutely he will. But our lives as Christians don't grow and mature unless we realize that Jesus is at the center. They don't grow, they don't change until Jesus is at the center. So this is why I picked this verse. Jesus said, when I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Yes, yes. 
Who's at the center? Jesus is at the center, praise God. The world and life as we know it here on earth revolves around Him. We're just discovering that. It's always been that way. We've just made a discovery through the gospel that was preached to us that, hey, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible says all things were created by Him and all things consist and are held up in Him and all things are for Him. Colossians chapter 1. All things. He started it all. He keeps it all going. And all things are for His pleasure. Now, I mean, He looks around. I'm sure there's lots He's not pleased with. But they were created for Him. Hallelujah. Jesus is at the center, praise God. So when he says he'll draw all men to himself, it's because he will cause all men to see that he is the center. Right now, mankind lives in such a way that we're at the center. And if we're going to follow Jesus, he is going to be at the center. And one day soon, he will reveal to all men, no, no, I am at the center. Life on this planet revolves around Jesus. Always has, always will. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus came to the earth to tell us this fact. He taught us this all the time. All the time. In Matthew chapter 6, 33, we'll just go there quickly. Matthew 6, 33. Praise the Lord. Matthew 6, 33. Now, in the previous verses, he's talking about living on the earth and how the Gentiles are. So Gentiles are referring to people who don't know God. And he's saying, you know, the Gentiles are running after all of the things of the earth, like things to feed their body and clothe their body and look after themselves. He said in verse 32, for the Gentiles seek, or it says, wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So it's not as if God is turning a blind eye saying, you know, if you follow me, you'll have nothing. He's not saying that. He's saying, I know that you need all of these things. He's well aware of that. But you see, the Gentiles who are not aware of God run after all of those things. But God has designed everything. It's always been this way so that those who are aware and know God run after Him and not all those things so that He can then provide all of those things. Verse 33 says this, but... Seek, first of all, His kingdom and His righteousness, and then all these things, Amplified adds in here, taken together, will be given to you besides. Man, if we just practiced those, that one verse right there, our whole world would change. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, then all these things. That is the right perspective. Now, 
for hundreds and thousands of years, man had the perspective that the sun revolved around the earth. That was not true. They saw the sun. They felt its effects. They saw life on the earth, and they thought, the sun revolves around me. But their perspective was wrong. Jesus came and brought us the right perspective. The right perspective is, no, actually, the world revolves around the sun. And in the same way, Jesus brings us the proper perspective and says, look, I know that you need all these things, but you don't chase after those things. You seek the kingdom, and then the kingdom will provide all those things. He gives us the true perspective, the reality of how it actually is. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all of these things will be added unto you. That is the proper perspective for our lives. Hallelujah. A lot of our lives are caught up day after day thinking about bills, work, family, and the things that we need to sustain our lives in the earth. And a lot of time we look at that and we think, well, how can I get God to help me and bless me in these areas? Our thinking as believers needs to change to where we're considering what's of His kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, the things that matter to Him, putting Him first place so that He can provide all of those things that we have. It's not that you don't have needs. It's not that you don't have a life here on the earth. I mean, you got to get up and go to work in the morning, otherwise, guess what happens? You don't eat. You're out on the street, right? All those things begin to take place if you don't work. If man doesn't work, a man shall not eat, the Bible says. So all these things are, are valid and true. But our perspective and our faith changes the source and supply. Hallelujah. Let's look at a few other examples in the Word. We're still in Matthew. Let's turn to, let's just, actually, we're in 6, aren't we? Let's go back a couple verses and go to 19. 19 and 20. He's still teaching along the same lines. I know it's funny in the English language with the word sun, as in the sunshine, S-U-N. And then we also have the word sun, S-O-N, referring to, you know, like your son, or in this case, the son, the son of God. And it's funny, we talk about that, and, you know, let the sun shine on you, and so on and so forth, and Christians make... But the thing is, is that He, the Son, came to show us the perspective from the sun, to show us that the world does not... The sun does not revolve around the world. It's the other way around. So His teaching is from that perspective. What do you mean? He said, I am from above. You are from below. He said that to us all the time. So here he's teaching again. He says this in verse 19. Do not gather and heap up store and store up for yourselves treasures on earth. 
where moth and rust and worm consume and destroy, and where thieves break in, break through and steal. But gather and heap up and store for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust nor worm consume and destroy, and where thieves do not break through and steal. It's so very simple and basic. You know, and you know, for, for some of us, it needed to be that way. Right? We find that it is very simple. But quite a change from our perspective. I mean, just examine your own life and think about how much of your time is spent gathering up here in this natural world that's material where, I mean, hey, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to have an extra shout when I get to heaven. You know why? Because I won't have to cut the grass. Or we the garden. I won't have to change the oil in the car. Right? I won't have to clean up the kitchen after I'm done. Right? I won't have to sweep or dust anywhere. Ever. Because the fact of the matter is in this world, things decay. Things, they don't, just don't last. You bought those bunches of bananas and you thought you were going to get to them, and, but you just got one or two and the rest of them just sat there. And guess what? They don't last forever. So this is some very practical wisdom that Jesus is saying. Don't heap up all your bananas. Don't, don't heap up bananas, right? So why is he telling us that? Because he knows it's going to decay. He knows that it's not going to last forever. He knows, you know, that someone else might come and steal your bananas. Right? Isn't that true? Your life in the earth is that way. The kingdom you're trying to build for yourself is that way. It rusts, it fades, it degrades, and you'll spend all your time trying to keep it and maintain it, to keep it from, you know, just polish and wax that thing a little bit more. Because, you know, it's going to, the shine is going to fade and it will be dull once again, but you'll be back out there. Because those things, now I'm not telling you don't look after your stuff. Don't, don't, don't hear me wrong. Hear what I'm not saying, right? But what I'm saying is that if our focus and our perspective is God bless me here and now and look after my stuff, He will help you. He will bless you. But you are missing out on His kingdom. And you are busy storing up for yourselves treasures here on earth that are going to fade and wither and pass and mean nothing in the end. How's that for some perspective? In the end, it'll mean nothing. And you'll wonder to yourself, why did I spend all that time living for me, living for what I want? Why did I pursue all those worthless things? And if that's your testimony when you get to heaven, you're not going to be shouting about it. Because when you get to heaven, you're going to realize, you're going to see from his perspective, the same perspective he's trying to give us here and now through his word, the heavenly perspective. And you can see that those things don't matter. And the only things that matter are the treasures that I can store up in heaven. 
because those will last for all of eternity. You know what's valuable to Jesus? Souls. You know what's valuable to the Lord? The things that last forever? The cup of water that you gave to someone who was thirsty. That's what matters. Those things that you do for one another, those things last forever. The Bible exhorts us, it exhorts the rich. It says basically, you know, don't just be greedy and hang on to all your wealth for yourself. It says, take what you have and use it and give it and bless others with it. Because if you do that, you will store up treasures for yourself in heaven. The true riches. What is it? Money? No, it's in the giving. It's in the blessing somebody else. Because that is what the kingdom is all about. And if you're seeking the kingdom, you're looking for opportunities to give and to bless somebody else. And in that giving and in that blessing, you are building up wealth for yourself in a place where no, ma- no rust gets in, no thief breaks in. Amen. It's that perspective. Did you know that when, I think it was Copernicus, wasn't his name, who, who realized that, wait a minute, the earth revolves around the sun. He published a book about that, but he kind of did it as almost like a suggestion Because the church at that time was violently opposed to that kind of thinking. Violently opposed to it. And actually, it started the whole uh, scientific revolution. Einstein, after a while, there's theories that came along and it changed the way that science was. It was revolutionary. And you know, there are things that we are being told here that we would be wise to listen to. At times, it can be difficult to think the way that I'm talking about today. And the reason is is because we get so busy with what's happening, the demands of everyday life. We get so busy that, and so, there's so much pressure that, well, I have to respond to this person. Well, I have to do this. If I don't do this, then this is going to happen. I don't want that to happen. And we can become so busy and so caught up with things. And then the next thing, because we're busy, we just need a vacation. So we, then we're planning our vacation. And then we're, and, and we just get so entangled in those things that the things of the kingdom don't seem to have the same value and weight. The things that matter the most seem to be far off over there. And if we've trained ourselves or lived in that world for so long, then sometimes we, I start talking to you about things like, you know, the kingdom of God, and it doesn't have the same weight. Now, how many of you got saved after someone or people started repeatedly shared the gospel with you? But the first time you're like, whatever, I don't need that. Or whatever your response was. There are some people that rejected the gospel multiple, multiple times because it wasn't real. It's irrelevant. Why would I want to do that? Who cares about that? I don't even believe that. Until one day, the gospel broke through that perspective, that mindset, and, and it touched their heart because the Spirit of God made it alive and real to them. And then they realized, wait a minute, this is the truth. This is real. And then their whole world changed because of that. And in a similar manner, this is what I'm sharing with you this morning. Our lives that we live here have only one potential value. One potential value. And that is in the light of His eternal kingdom. That's the value that they hold. And some people are tempted to say, well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. That's wonderful. But wouldn't you like to do something for the Lord that saved you while you're here? 
See, there's something that you can do here that you can't do at any other time for the rest of all of eternity. The time that we have here is extremely valuable. And we, we want to number our days correctly so that we gain a heart of wisdom, as it says in Psalms 90. That was Moses. Psalm 90 is Moses. And he's saying that because here are the Israelites wasting their days away, not entering into the promise and just and living from miracle to miracle, never entering into the promised land because all they could see was their own lives. And they wasted their lives away, shortened time frames on earth because they couldn't look past their original programming in Egypt, the bondage that they came out of. They couldn't see past that to see the land of promise and the, the entering in by faith in God, trusting God to supply, trusting God to be the one to, to, to provide all of their needs. They couldn't seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. They couldn't do that. They were just caught up with, you know, well, it would be better for us with all the leeks and, and, you know, onions and whatever back in Egypt because at least we had some variety, whereas here we're eating manna all day long. That's all that they could see. They couldn't look past what's going on in their own lives and look to the one who's faithfully providing every single day. And so they stayed in that place and died in the wilderness. And Moses says, Lord, we, we are wasting away under you. But teach us to number our days correctly, properly, so that we may gain a heart of wisdom to know what really matters, what is really valuable. And that stands before us the same today. I'm saved. I'm going to the promised land, so to speak. I'm going to heaven. But our days here on the earth are very short. And if we view them and perceive them from heaven's perspective, we will see that this moment in time is the only moment in time where you can set aside something Something for him, for the one who saved you. It's the only time. What are, what are you going to sacrifice? And people cringe at that word, sacrifice. It's in the Bible. And if you knew the joy of it, you wouldn't think like that. But in this earth is the only time ever forever, ever, 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 that you could ever give up something for His sake. Now, often in church, we end up giving up things because we know that it'll benefit us in the long term. You know? <laughs> like smoking, for example. I used to smoke. Used to smoke. And, you know, I enjoyed smoking cigarettes. So I didn't want to quit. Now, I know, what, you know, the science and what it does to your body and so on, but ah, I used to make jokes that, and it's really ignorant, but I used to make jokes like, ah, if it shaves off 10 years of my life, that'll be the last 10 years while I'm in, a, you know, in a wheelchair or in an old folks' home and no one knows, I can't, I'm having, my cognitive abilities have, are in decline. That's how ignorant I would think about things like that. So I didn't care. I like smoking. And got a hold of me. 
you know, that I didn't quit smoking because I wanted to. I didn't quit because I wanted to. I quit because, and I I didn't even quit because it's the right thing to do. Because I knew what the right thing was to do, and I didn't want to do that. (laughs) So I didn't quit because I wanted to. I quit because he asked me to. Hallelujah. Because he wanted me to. And I said, okay, Jesus. I made a decision. And actually, this is, this is back at a time when I, was, I had been living in the world for a long time. And Jesus had brought me back to himself. And I was starting to live for him, but I still had a lot of the old world habits in my life. Still had all that kind of junk. And I said to the Lord, when this, at this time frame, this time period where I was starting to live for him again, and I said, Lord, I know I'm supposed to quit smoking. I knew in my head that it's not good for me. You don't want me to do that. But I don't want to do it. And I said, however, my heart is open to you. And when you, con- when you, put, you convict my heart, when my conscience starts to bother me about it, I know it's you. And I will quit. I continued smoking for a few months. You think, that is terrible. In a way, maybe. But you see, God honored that. And a few months went by, and suddenly, I go to have a cigarette, and it bugs me now. (laughs) I am not enjoying this like I used to. It's bugging me. I'm like, this is, and I can feel it, you know? I wasn't feeling guilty for smoking before, but suddenly now I'm just feeling, starting to feel terrible. Like, ugh, this is not going good for me. For me. And it's funny because I didn't pray for God to deliver me from smoking. It's okay if you do, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that this is not part of my testimony. I didn't, I didn't pray for that. Partly because I knew that he would. If he's telling me to quit, he's going to help me to do so. So it wasn't even a matter of prayer anymore. It was just a matter of believing him. And there's a lot of things in our lives that are like that. It's not an issue of prayer so much as it is an an issue of believing him. Hmm? There's a whole lot of prayer going on. And for the amount that we pray, you would think we would have, you mentioned the equal sign. Balance out with answers and results on the other side. But if faith is the equalizer then there's, you understand what I'm saying? So I didn't pray about it. I was believing that the Lord would deliver me from it. And so I made a decision. said, Lord, I don't want to quit. I like smoking. I don't want to quit. But I'm going to set it aside. I will quit for you because you're asking me to. It was the easiest thing in the world to do. And you don't have that testimony normally with people trying to quit smoking in the world. There's programs, there's patches, there's hypnotism even, and all sorts of weird stuff that people do to try to, you know, Nicorette and whatever, all that stuff. But with that, doing it for him, it was the easiest thing to do. I'm going to say that again really loud. Doing that for him was the easiest thing to do. It was the easiest thing to do, doing that for him. And I walked free. 
The only thing I had to deal with was the mental habit, not the physical feeling. The mental habit, I eat my lunch and I go, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Okay, well, I guess I'll just sit here at my desk for a little bit longer. You know, there are things like that, the mental habit. But I didn't struggle with it because I didn't do it for me. Oh, I didn't struggle with it because I didn't do it for me. Hallelujah. So in this world, in this period of time and space that we live in, we have an opportunity. An opportunity like no other time. For all of eternity, you will never have this opportunity again. And that opportunity is to lay something down, to put something aside, something of yourself that you put aside for His sake. Not for yours, for His sake. Because when you get to heaven, what are you going to give up for Him? What are you going to say? I'm going to downgrade from my big mansion to the small mansion over here. Like, what are you going to give up for Jesus when you're in heaven? There's nothing that you can sacrifice. I'm going to go, you're going to go on a fast when you're in heaven? There's nothing that you can give up for His sake. Oh, hallelujah. Nothing you can give up for His sake. But here... Here you have an opportunity because we have this narrow window of time. And if we number our days correctly, which means to number our days according to how heaven sees our lives, from his perspective, from the perspective that our lives revolve around him, not the other way around. And if we do that, we have that perspective, then we'll value the things that he values and we'll see the things that he sees and we'll do the things that he does. And it won't be difficult and it won't be hard, as in difficult and hard because you're doing it on your own. But it's the only time that you'll ever have to do something for him that costs you something. It's the only time. Now, Peter got a hold of this truth. And uh, we're in Matthew. Still flip back over to 19 this time. It's, it's interesting because Peter's usually the one to speak up and say something. So in Matthew 19... The rich young ruler had come to Jesus and had asked, you know, like, hey, what can I do to inherit eternal life? What can I do? He's asking. And Jesus says, well, you know the commandments, keep them. Do what God says. And he says, all these I've kept from my youth. I've, I've, been, I've done that. And Jesus, the Bible says, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. You know what that means? He looked at him and went, you're awesome. That is so wonderful, because he knew the man wasn't lying. The man sincerely had kept the commandments since he was a young man. And Jesus really appreciated that. But that was not the end of the story. 
He said, what did he say? Sell all you have. Come follow me. Let me see if I can find this here. Verse 21. And Jesus answered him, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have what? Riches in heaven. And come, be my disciple. Come follow me. Put me at the center of your world. Let your world revolve around me. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it will be difficult for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. Now, why is that? Because there's a deceitfulness in riches that makes you think that your life is, consists in how much you have. Your life consists in how much you have, and that is the deceitfulness of riches. If I had more things, I'd be happier. And he's telling them, he's saying it's difficult to let go of that because you feel like you're letting go of your life. And so he says, and I tell you, it is easier for a camel, verse 24, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of, of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were utterly puzzled, astonished or bewildered, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. So you can't do this on your own. But with God... But sorry, but all things are possible with God. Amen. With him, it can be done. Verse 27, then Peter answered him. See, Peter's always answering and saying stuff, right? <laughs> then Peter answered him, saying, Behold, we have left all and have become your disciples. What then shall we receive? I mean, he's asking the question that all of us probably would have asked. He's just sitting there listening to Jesus you know, debrief with them after this conversation with the rich young ruler and talking about getting into heaven. And, and they're just like, wow, this is, this is absolutely amazing. And then Peter goes, well, we left everything. What about me? What about me? Still asking, what about me? And in this case, Jesus did not rebuke Peter. Jesus said to them, so I guess Peter was the spokesperson because then as everyone else was thinking it, Right? Just kind of like how we are sometimes when the pastor says, we're taking up a special offering tonight. Yeah. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new age, and that's not new age like today, he's talking about in the kingdom. You know, there is, there is something that's going to happen, right? Inevitably, when everything that we know in this world, as we know it, I mean, life does not just continue on and on and on in this world the way that we know it. Not only will you leave this earth at some time, but the earth itself will come to an end the way that we know it. And when Jesus returns, he sets up his kingdom on earth, and there will be a 
new earth. And he's talking about this time when that happens. He said, truly I say to you in the new age, when the Son of Man shall sit down on the throne of his glory, you who have become my disciples, or he says, you who have followed me, will also sit on the twelve on 12 thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. And anyone and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands because it was just the best thing to do because you're thinking about, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something for God and, and really make a name for myself. Or, you know, I feel obligated. I have to do these things in order. No, none of those reasons. None of those ulterior motives. None of those reasons. He said, for my name's sake. Whose name? Who's the center? For my name's sake. Jesus, for your benefit. For you. Because I love you. Because I want to do this for your sake. No other reason. He said, those who do that for my sake. Now, there's people that are doing all sorts of stuff, but for other reasons. This promise is for those who do that for his sake. Oh, hallelujah. There are commitments that we will make if we are following Jesus, where we will leave behind things that seem to be essential and necessary here and now. But when we leave them behind for Jesus, for His sake, in order to follow Him, to go where He goes. If we do it for that heart reason, this promise is for us. Not only will He provide in the here and now, but He says, we'll receive many times more and will inherit eternal life. Wasn't He just saying that to the rich young ruler? But many who are now first will be then last. And many who are now last will then be first. There's many people that we think, oh, look at how well they're doing. God has blessed them. But you, you don't see everything. You don't, you don't see what's going on in here. You don't see what God has called them to leave behind in order to follow Him. That doesn't mean He won't take care of you now. That doesn't mean he won't look after what's important now. That we've been reading that he will. But we have an opportunity to follow him by leaving behind things that are for his sake. In order to follow him. And in this life, we can reap. In this life, we can be blessed. But more importantly... In the next, in the everlasting kingdom, the one that doesn't fade, the one that doesn't wear out, in, whose, in his kingdom where his rule never comes to an end, where we will all be for eternity upon eternity. But in that place, we have reward. In that place, we have possessions. In that place, where it really matters, where it really counts. It is my prayer this morning, and it hasn't been just this morning, 
But I'm telling you this morning, my prayer has been that we would have this perspective. Because every one of us, every single one of us can live in this place that Jesus is talking about. He's not calling, he's not saying follow me and you can't. He's saying follow me because all things are possible with him. And as sobering as this might be in some respects, because we realize how much time we've spent building up our own lives, trying to meet our own needs, at the same time, there is great joy, everlasting joy in knowing that what you do for Him and for His sake will have testimony forever, will have eternal reward. If we can only get our faith perspective, our perspective in a heavenly place where we see it as he sees it, and then we believe that. And when we believe it, we live like it's true. And it's my prayer that God causes us to see this truth because it's absolutely vital. And I could continue on preaching this for a while. I've got reams of other notes here that I'm not going to get to today. But please hear my heart in the matter. No, hear what the Lord is saying to you in the matter. Our days go by so fast. And the older we get, the faster they go by. But I want a testimony when I get to heaven that says, well done, son. There are things that you gave up just for me and for no other reason. Because it's the only thing that I can do for the one who gave up everything for me. He gave up everything. He left his position in glory and became like us. He left it all behind. He did it first. He left it all behind to save you so that you could be with him where he is in glory. So it is not too much for him to ask that we do the same and leave what we have behind for him, for him. So it's a wonderful thing. There's such a wonderful joy. Can you imagine that joy standing before him, knowing that you gave it your all, you poured everything out, you didn't bring, try to bring a bunch of stuff with you when you went there? But at the end of your life, you can say, poured out, given all to the Lord. I can tell you, you will surely not lose out on your reward. You will not miss out on your reward. He has promised it, and He is faithful, and He will bring it to pass. Hallelujah. Amen? Let me pray for you quickly. Are, are you going to do a little, little bit for us? As you know, the altar here is always open. And you can always come up for prayer. The pastors will be up here to pray for you if you would like agreement in prayer. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you 
for your heavenly perspective that Jesus brought to us to show us that He Himself is the center of all things. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. Lord, help us to see how to put you at the center of our lives in every, from day to day, every day. How to realize we can leave things behind to follow you and we will not miss out. And to know with an absolute certainty, Jesus, that you gave up everything for us. And we, likewise, can enter into the same thing. And we can do it for you. You have given us this honor and this privilege, this opportunity to to glorify you with our very lives. And we see it as such. And by the help of the Holy Spirit, we will live in this manner. Living lives that are worthy of you, worthy of the calling that you have called us with. We say, Lord, you are wonderful. And you alone are glorious and worthy of all praise. Your name shall be exalted in our midst. You shall have your place in our lives. The place that is rightfully yours. As the King of kings and as the Lord of lords. As the head of your body. The owner of all things. Have your place in us. We bless you and we thank you. Father, we do so in Jesus' wonderful name. All God's people say, so be it. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3W3B1.